from Crystal Myth Podcast. So this week we're just going to do a little bonus podcast to introduce our next episode, which will be the first episode of season six. And where myself, Mark and Yasmin will be talking about one of our favourite Hammer Horror films and then the actual real myth or story behind it. And just little fun facts and trivia about the Hammer Horror Studios or Hammer Horror Productions, which is a massive favourite of mine. If you've never heard of Hammer Horror, I just thought I would give you a little taste of what Hammer is, a bit of the history behind the Hammer Horror film productions. Well, I say Hammer Horror because they're famous for their gory, full-colour, technicolour horror films, whereby before there was mostly black and white movies from like your monsters like Dracula or werewolves and things like that so there is a bit more to the Hammer film productions they didn't just do all horror so I'll just give you a little bit of the history behind the Hammer horror films so I'm taking this information from hammerfilms.com where they give a history of the Hammer Hammer film productions so about Hammer Hammer was founded in November 1934 Hammer is one of the oldest film companies in the world. So Hammer is synonymous with horror. After defining the genre in Britain with classics such as Dracula, The Curse of Frankenstein and The Mummy, which also spawned numerous sequels. However, only one third of Hammer films were horror. The company tackled other genres, including psychological thrillers, sci-fi, noir, and historical epic. Hammer has a back catalogue of nearly 300 titles and a rich character canon including classic monsters, mobsters, psychopaths and also cave girls. The company has a lasting impact on popular culture, paid homage to in all manner of releases from Frank and Weenie, Jurassic Park and the Shawshank Redemption. Recent output includes the worldwide box office smash The Woman in Black, critically acclaimed Let Me In. Now, I just want to mention Tim Burton because Hammer obviously had a big impact on his style and influence and he's often cast Hammer regular actors such as Christopher Lee in some of his movies and cameos and such. I think one of his most Hammer influence films in my opinion, would be Sleepy Hollow. It's very like a Hammer Horror film. Sort of like costume drama, supernatural elements. Of course, Christopher Lee's in that <coughs> as well. And also it's set in a sort of forest area, which is often a lot of Hammer Horror films where set. To go back to the history of Hammer, in the 1930s, Hammer Film Productions were founded in the 1930s on the 5th of November 1934. In the pre-war period, Hammer's output ranged from comedy, such as The Public Life of Henry IX, which was a parody of the 1930s film Private Lives of Henry VIII, and slave drama Song of Freedom, starring Paul Robeson, 
to the ambitious Bella Lugosi feature, The Mystery of the Marie Celeste. Following the outbreak of World War II, and with its executives seeking act, seeing active service, production then ground to a halt, as I suppose it would do, since most people are going to go away to war. A lot of disruption would have happened then. And their logo is a hammer production, and it's just got a man with an anvil hammering away, I guess. Okay, so then we move on to the 1940s, where a lot of disruption happens. So after the war, with a growing demand for British-produced supporting movies... After the Second World War, Hammer was reformed and began to dabble in crime capers and boys' own adventure stories. Then we move on to the 1950s. So, it was business as usual for Hammer as the 1950s opened, with Hammer producing a steady supply of support drama and documentaries intended to play alongside feature films and cinemas. In 1951, Hammer began to co-produce its films with the US producer Robert Lippert, enabling the company to develop its North American market and cast US stars. Honing its craft, the company largely focused on crime fillers and film noir, such as Man Bait, Bad Blonde and Terror Street. 1954 Hammer returned to adventure stories with its first colour feature film, The Men of Sherwood Forest. So some of the 1950s films like Man Bait, for instance starred our very own Diana Dors who was at that time the sort of English equivalent or English answer to Marilyn Monroe and I really like Diana Dors I think she's quite a fun woman and she was a fun woman and she was quite cheeky and I don't think her career took off too well in the US because I just don't think people really got her and she starred in one of Adam Ant's music videos as sort of chubby fairy godmother but bless her also in these films there was like actresses such as Elizabeth Scott Barbara Payton who's also a very interesting person get um if you look her up you'll see some interesting stories about her then we move on to the 1950s which is where they sort of delved into the horror theme but started off sort of sci-fi and the famous film that they made back then was in 1955 called The Quater Mass Experiments, which is spelled X-P-E-R-I-M-E-N-T, which changed the course of Hammer's film output almost overnight. It was a commercial and critical hit. The film posed the question, what might happen if an alien virus really was brought back to Earth? Audiences flocked to witness the ensuing chaos and gruesome special effects, which is something that Hammer really were famous for. So... Then throughout the night, into the 1950s, after Quater Mass, they, they, they went into the horror side of things, which is my favourite era of Hammer Horror, like Hammer. I mean, I just call it Hammer Horror because that's all I associate it with. I know they produced other movies, like different ones that weren't horror, but I just always call it Hammer Horror. And I'd say that it would be like from the 1950s up until 1970 would be like their golden age. So following the success of the Quater Mass experiment, Hammer switched focus from struggling crime thriller pictures of the early 50s to horror. The company made history with its full colour creature feature, The Curse of Frankenstein, played by Christopher Lee of course, blood, gore, extravagant costumes and sets, represented in vibrant colour and raging censors, but delighting audiences in equal measure. The staggering success of The Curse of Frankenstein was followed by the even greater box office haul 
of Horror of Dracula just one year later. Of course, again played by Christopher Lee, who, in my opinion, is one of the best Draculas ever. Although he came to resent, I don't know, I think he just came to get fed up of being associated with that character, but he really made it his own. These two films alone, Hammer had cemented the company name in the lexicon of audiences, film critics and censors alike. The monster movie was back and Hammer jumped at the opportunity to reinvent other characters, including The Abominable Snowman in 1957 and The Mummy in 1959. So we've got examples here of some of the films that they made. The Curse of Frankenstein, which also Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, was famously played by Peter Cushion. And if some of you don't know who Peter Cushion is, he is probably most famous for being in Star Wars as Grand Morph Tarkin. But to me, Peter Cushion is always going to be like either Van Helsing, which is like Dracula's nemesis, or Frankenstein. He's always like a hammer horror staple. Peter Cushion, probably just as famous as Christopher Lee for being in the Hammer Horror films. There's The Abominable Snowman, which I personally have not seen, which I think would be quite interesting. Uh, There's Dracula, which is one of my favourites. I love all the Dracula movies, especially Taste of Blood of Dracula, which I think is the best one of all the Draculas that Christopher Lee starred in for Hammer. Then we've got The Mummy where the caption is, torn from the tomb to terrify the world. Then there's the man who could cheat death. That's an interesting one. I'm not sure if I've ever seen that one. I'm not sure what he does to cheat death. I'll check it out. Then there's the revenge of Frankenstein. And then we've got the hound of the Baskerville. So he even did like a Sherlock Holmes, although it was one of Sherlock Holmes' horror-based stories. So as well as horror, Hammer continued to produce a wide variety of other genres, including comedy and drama. The company's comedy output included Up the Creek, starring Peter Sellers, and Dr. Jekyll inspired The Ugly Duckling. The end of the decade saw a series of war films, and some, notably The Camp on Blood Island, received considerable critical acclaim. I think The Ugly Ducklings sort of like a Nutty Professor type film, like before, or maybe the British version of the, like, the Nutty Professor, where it's just like an ugly guy played by Bernard Breslau, who was also in a lot of carry-on films in the UK. Um, and maybe he just takes a potion and he becomes like really charismatic and, and awesome like Buddy Love and Nutty Professor films. Again, it's something that I've never heard of. It was made in 1959, which I'll maybe have a look at. I don't know whether you can find it anywhere. So then we go into the 1960s. So Hammer's success with the horror genre saw it develop sequels to its existing titles and seek out further literary characters to adapt into full-colour features, such as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and The Phantom of the Opera. The company also focused on straight literary adaptions from novels by the likes of Dennis Wheatley, H. Ryder Haggard and J.B. Priestley. For example, the movies where The Devil Rides Out, which is an excellent film based on the sort of fascination with Satanism. There was a lot of interest in Satanic stuff back then in the late 60s. A lot of Alistair Crowley stuff. Anton LaVey, the Rolling Stones were into a lot of Satanism. And then there was like, like Zeppelin, like just loads of stuff like the Manson family and all of that. So... I guess that's why it was quite relevant to the time. And of course, Rosemary's Baby was made around about the same time as well. There was a lot of sort of satanic type movies. Uh, they also made The Witches, She, 
which is based on like a, it's a movie about a sort of ancient ancient goddess or something. Like she's sort of like a sorceress. Again, a sort of satanic theme. The Vengeance of She and then The Old Dark House was one of their movies as well in this, um, the 60s. Despite their success here, Hammer continued to experiment with other genres. Some of the most critically praised being its string of psychological thrillers. The Nanny, which starred Academy Award winner Betty Davis. And then there's Scream of Fear, starring Stu- Susan Strasberg. And Paranoiac, starring Oliver Reed. The Decade also saw a production of the company's first television series, Journey to the Unknown, an anthology series airing on ABC television. There was also movies such as Brides of Dracula, Jekyll's Inferno, These Are the Damned, and they've got a movie called Scream of Fear, which we mentioned, Cap- the, the Captain Clegg. I'm not sure about that one. That was in 1962. Paranoia, The Nanny, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, Joan Fontaine, who starred in The Witches. Then there was the Cave Peoples, like Cave People movie, which is called One Million Years BC with Raquel Welch, which was used um, in the, well, featured in the Shawshank Redemption because it was an iconic image of Raquel Welch used as a poster in Andy's room. And then there's Frankenstein created women, Quatermass in the pits, prehistoric women. So there's like a lot of like kind of titillating cave girl movies, I suppose. The Devil Rides Out, which I have to say is an excellent movie. Then there's Betty Davis on oh, the anniversary. That's that's the one where she's got the weird eye patch. And then we move on to the 1970s. So by 1970, the British film industry was beginning to suffer financially as the arrival of colour television contributed to a sharp decline in box office revenues. There were celebrations all round when in 1971, when Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth was nominated for an Academy Award for Jin Danforth's stop-motion work on the film. The financial climate forced Hammer to seek novel ways to spice up its output. It focused on a, on the female vampire in films such as Countess Dracula. Now, Countess Dracula stars Ingrid Pitt, who's another hammer horror, one of the regular actresses that he used to play vampires mostly. Um, she's awesome. And it focuses on the story of Elizabeth Bathory, this true story of Elizabeth Bathory, who supposedly killed virgins to stay young and she would bathe in her blood and stuff. I'd recommend watching that film, it's really good. And they struck a two-picture co-production deal with Shaw Brothers, producing the karate horror crossover The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires and the action thriller Shatter. However, by the middle of the decade, the game was up gothic horror was out of fashion see in my mind i don't think gothic horror is ever out of fashion and hammer couldn't find backers for production which is a real shame to the devil a daughter was the company's last horror film of the 20th century that's really sad then we get to the 1980s although no longer a force in horror cinema hammer discovered another outlet for horror product television hammer house of horror contained tales of genuine horror laced with a twinkle of dark humour. Its follow-up, Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense, contained 13 mini-thrillers. They featured a cast as diverse as Peter Cushing, Brian Cox, David Carradine, Stephanie Beecham, Diana Dors and even Pierce Brosnan. So then we get to the 2010s. Hammer marked its return to features in 2010 
with the release of the critically acclaimed Let Me In, which is brilliant because it's also like a, a vampire food movie, so it's really fitting that Hammer's comeback is with a vampire movie. An adaption of the oh, an adaption of the highly praised Swedish film. The film was written and directed by Matt Reeves, who also directs Cloverfield and stars Chloe Moretz and Cody Schmidt McPhee. In 2011, Hammer released an anti-Jokinen's The Resident, starring two-time Academy Award winner Hilary Swank, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Hammer legend Sir Christopher Lee, as well as the critically lauded Wakewood, directly by David Keating and starring Aidan Gillen, Eva Burfwistle and Timothy Spall. February 2012 saw the theatrical release of Hammer's first ever feature ghost story, The Woman in Black, directed by James Watkins, adapted by Jane Goldman from the book by Susan Hill, and starring Daniel Radcliffe. The film has taken over 130 million worldwide, making it one of the biggest indie horror films ever. Quiet Ones, starring Jared Harris, Sherlock Holmes, The Game of Shadows, Sam Claffin, who was in The Hunger Games and Catching Fire, and Olivia Cook, who's in The Bates Motel, was released in April 2014. The much-anticipated Woman in Black Angel of Death, Hammer's first sequel in 41 years, began terrifying audiences in January 2015. And that's it. That's where we get to the history of Hammer. I'm not sure if they've produced any further films. I'm sure they will. I really hope they do. So I really hope that the Hammer legacy lives on and they continue to make horror films. I'd like them personally to remake the Dracula movies and maybe put a new modern twist to it. Although maybe maybe fans of the Hammer Dracula films may object to that since like Christopher Lee, no one can really beat him. Although I was impressed with the actor Clay's Plays Bang who played Dracula in a recent BBC version. Um, I thought he was very like Christopher Lee in terms of the tall, dark, handsome element of it. Yeah, so Hammer, I've been a big fan of Hammer Horror since I was a young child. My mum introduced me to them. But we'll explore these more. We'll explore particular films next episode, our full episode of the podcast. So I hope you tune in and listen to that. And we'll get more into it. And yeah, I mean, if you want to explore Hammer Horror movies, you can get most of them on DVD or you could probably stream some of them or you can just buy like some of their movies from Amazon or you can stream them on Amazon Prime, I think, or you can rent them or whatever way you want to find them. I'm sure they're worth a watch. That's it. Really, that's our bonus podcast. I just thought I'd give you a little taste of the Hammer Horror Productions. And if you've got any comments, if you want to contribute, if you've got any of your favourite Hammer Horror films, if you've got any questions, then you can contact us. We have an email, which is crystalmythpodcast at mail.com. So that's M-A-I-L dot com. Drop us an email, you know, we really want to hear from you, what you think, if you've got any questions, if you've got any suggestions about what topics you would like us to cover for our podcast, or if you've just got anything you want to say, then do drop us an email. Or you can contact us on Twitter. If you just look up Crystal Myth Podcast, you'll find us there. We're under podcast underscore myth. And we're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Crystal Myth Podcast. And also if you would like to join our Facebook group. Again, it's just Crystal Myth Podcast group. And you can find us there as well. And free feel to comment, share, whatever you would like. 
to do get any questions for myself Mark and Yasmin we're always happy to answer them and we'd be really looking forward to hearing from anyone really that is listening so I'll bid you adieu and we will be back with our new season next week bye Crystal Man. Crystal Man. Crystal.